Hey everybody, it is Casey and Stephen on the Multiply Church Resource Podcast. Hope y'all are doing good. Happy uh, April, April and April Fool's Day. You didn't get a podcast yesterday, but you're getting one today. April Fool's. April Fool's, suckers. <laughs> anyway, we're so pumped to be sitting here back in the war room, podding as we call it. I yep. think that's I think that's industry standard. We're podding today, mm-hmm. talking about this past weekend, and doing some recap. Hope uh, hope this has been helpful. I think we're nearing episode six or seven, um, and yeah, the feedback's been good. So we're gonna keep doing it. So this past weekend, Stephen Knopp. First of all, you don't have a beard anymore. No one can see it, but you ain't got a beard. I got. I'm sorry. I just outed you. You did. I outed you. It's a thing. True. Yeah, it's gone. Uh, we sheared it yesterday. We had a we had a shearing. Yes. Uh, here and we sheer took it joy. Off. Sheer joy. Yes. So excited. It's for gone. That. My face feels very cold and exposed. Expo- very exposed. Very naked. Yes. Very raw. Mm-hmm. But uh, hey, speaking of exposed, this past weekend, <laughs> I was trying to think of a good segue. That was it. That you oh, nailed it. Oh, I nailed it. Bryn Gillette. Oh my gosh, it's snowing outside. Sorry, everyone. Breaking news. It's snowing <laughs> in Matthews on April 2nd. Oh, squirrel. What is going on right now? Uh, but it is. It's snowing. So wherever you are, whoever you are, whenever you're listening to this, it was snowing on April 2nd in uh, Stallings, North Carolina. Anyway, so this weekend, Bryn Gillette, uh, yeah. Is where we started. So why don't we get Bryn get, us back. get us back, Bryn Gillette. It yeah. was a huge honor to have Bryn come and be with us. First of all, uh, he's been a part of the Multiply story pretty much from the beginning. Such an encourager has spoken over our community, has seen visions, has been a visual scribe at times uh, for Multiply Church. And that's why he was with us on Sunday at the gathering, because he was the visual scribe at Movement Day. Movement Day, which we've talked about a few times. We have, and it continues to be a topic of conversation for us. And he uh, shared with us his uh, work of art uh, from that day. And it was amazing the way that he was able to weave all of the topics that were addressed and the messages from the keynote speakers, and the themes of the day together into one beautiful painting. Yeah, articulate. Uh, and I've seen him do it. Like I'm, I'm a little spoiled. I've seen him do this so many times. And at, to some extent, I just expect and anticipate him to make something beautiful. But when you step back and realize like he took a day full of, what was there, eight or nine keynote speakers, panel discussions, all these things and kind of made this one mosaic of a, of a painting that has the Charlotte skyline and different aspects, different layers. And, and where it led to, uh, in terms of the discussion, he, he started speaking actually out of Ephesians, which is what we're studying, uh, talking about unity, the unity that we're supposed to have as, uh, as each part kind of does its work. And, um, and then said so that's kind of the, the foundation for something like Movement Day, something like Charlotte, and then launched into... Uh, a deeper discussion of, of what kind of came out, what God revealed, as well as what the day uh, kind of looked like from a from a narrative perspective. Yeah, it was amazing. And it's amazing just his natural talent 
and his ability to see something in his mind and then create it on a canvas. And it's, it's incredible to watch, and it was incredible to, um, to hear how God was giving him visions and um, how he was putting that down for all of us to see now. Yeah, and the, the interesting part, especially when it comes to prophetic things, and you can agree or disagree, but a lot of times when, when God gives a word or a, a picture or whatever, sometimes we immediately move to, okay, we need to interpret this thing and, and, and roll it out. But he spoke about his uh, creative paintings and his, his uh, scribing uh, on, on a canvas almost as, uh, as uh, speaking in tongues, which is, I know, crazy, but speaking in tongues in that it needs an interpretation. And even real time in that morning, someone noticed something about the painting that Bryn hadn't even seen before. And yet after you see it, you can't unsee it as yeah. part of the, the painting. It was cool. Bryn even named it as the correct interpretation Yes, when someone else spoke into it. And uh, talked about he remembered when he was making that specific line on the canvas and that he felt inspired to do it but wasn't really sure why and uh, it had to do with redlining yeah which isn't necessarily a topic of normal discussion uh but uh talked about uh someone in our uh community this past week talked about how they had experienced some of that and they saw it and as you look at it in comparison to the rest of the painting it kind of separates those below the the red line who are actually doing the work of repairing the Jericho Road and then kind of the the upper uptown uh, where all the skyscrapers and stuff were. So anyway, we, we could probably figure out a way. If you weren't there or weren't able to see it and, and are interested, uh, I have some pictures and I actually have a video from Bryn, uh, about a five, six minute video where he goes through and kind of interprets different pieces of it. It's nothing like getting it live, not going to lie, but it's it does a really good job of kind of walking you through it if you are interested. So that was a really cool way to start. Yeah, that was great. And again, I think you mentioned being together as the church and not knowing what's coming next. And we seem to be experiencing that more and more at the gathering, which is awesome. Very different from the way that we have gathered as the church in the past, but it's been amazing to see what God reveals and how he speaks through his people all together yeah. uh, in those moments. So that was awesome. And then we moved on to the message for the morning. Uh, which came to us from Ephesians, still in the first chapter, now five weeks in, verses 15 through 19. Yes. And you're we, welcome. Yes. We're making it. We're making we're it. We're getting there. It's like it's like the gutting of my house project. Yeah. But just which, three verses at a time. That's how I think about it. Yeah, that's right. That's a different little story. Little by little. That's, little by little. That's a different podcast. Different podcast. Um, but we talked about the foundation of identity again and, and why Paul continues to harp on that uh, topic of identity and who we are in Christ and how we really have to understand that. And there was a lot about knowledge and revelation and wisdom. And I noticed as you were speaking that all of that, all the knowledge, all the revelation, all the wisdom has a particular purpose. And that singular purpose is so that we know God better. Right. That's it. Yeah. Not so that we have more knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I had this thought that, you know how we know God better? Tell me. The same way we know everybody better is that we spend time with sure. them. Yeah. Right? And so many of us have um, gotten it twisted 
and that knowing we think knowing God better means reading about Him, right? Uh, versus spending time with Him. And so this is something that I've said for years. I've known so many people in so many churches who hop from Bible study to Bible study to Bible study to Bible study, right? And they may or may not have more knowledge, but yet there's no reflection in their life of obedience to what they're learning. Well, and that's the that's the tricky part of or the the lure of Bible studies, and yet the um, the danger of Bible studies is that you can do a lot of work and feel like you're doing a lot of stuff, but yet never see any type of life transformation if it doesn't lead to obedience in some way, shape, right. or form. Which is even why I think when we started this season of studying the book of Ephesians, there was some hesitancy on our behalf because it's like, well, are we going to feel like we're doing a lot of stuff but not walking out in obedience which at the end of the day, the heart is God's domain. So there's not a whole lot we can do other than to try to be faithful to what the text says and yeah. take ownership of ourselves. Yeah. One thing though that's interesting that you just said and, and something that I just feel like recently in my my own personal journey is is what does it mean to spend time with God? Like right. that sounds great and that sounds like a, a great thing to do, but like how do you practice that? How do you practice whether it's rhythms of solitude or just yeah. quiet time? Um, quiet time to me always meant like doing something, which is hilarious, uh, until I was challenged by uh, a mentor of mine recently, uh, in the last six months or so, he was like, just spend time by yourself, do nothing. Uh, and uh, I kind of was like, yeah, okay, I'll try that. And then, uh, in the last couple of weeks reading a book and it said extroverts hate this hmm. because it, it forces you to not do what you love doing, which is be with people and, and have interaction and just to be silent. And literally, the book was like, spend 20 minutes in silence by yourself uh, and see what God might say yeah. to you. Are you are you an extrovert, Casey? <laughs> are you? Yeah. I don't know. I've never I, noticed. I, I was. Okay. I might. I, I got to take an assessment, but yeah. I, I think I'm yeah. somewhere out there. Yeah, we'll figure it out, man. So anyway, so so that that's true though. Like, what what does that look like to actually spend time with versus just studying about this this person of God? Because what Paul's saying, like. Paul wrote half of the material of of what we see in the New Testament and and reveals a ton about God, reveals a ton about the character of Jesus, but none of that necessarily can replace the intimacy that we find when we actually spend time. So I I, I thought that was interesting because I didn't talk about that like at all, but I'm glad yeah. that you picked up on that. That was great, yeah. And then we talked about uh, the three ways in which uh, Paul wants uh, the the eyes of our heart to be opened. Yes. And we started with a rousing rendition of that classic hymn, Open the Eyes of My Heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open, no, that's the uh, wrong class. Sorry, I, I don't, I don't Something do like, I know, rhythm. I know, sorry, I know, I know. But we did. We sang that. We had a little little fun time. But but the opening the eyes of the heart, like, did you? did that make sense? Absolutely, okay. yeah. And I think especially to three things in particular, right? So Paul names three things uh, to which our eyes, the eyes of our heart must be opened. Right? One is hope. Yep. Uh, the other is the inheritance mm -hmm. of God. And the third is the power of God. And if we, if we really began to see those three things with the eyes of our heart, um, how would we be different? What would change? You know, how, how would we operate differently? How would we think differently about life and ourselves? Yeah, th th this one, this is tough because none of this, and this is what I struggle with even even on Sunday, is like n none of us control any of this. 
So to say it as eloquently, to come up with as many metaphors as possible, to uh, show examples and historical evidence that shows the hope we have, the inheritance we have uh, as saints, and then the power of God, like all of that pales in comparison because if the eyes of your heart are not open to something like this, then you just never see it. Yeah. You hear about it. You might yep. like comprehend, mm. but if you are not awakened, uh, I think that's even some language that Paul used, like awakened, enlightened, or wisdom, revelation he talks about. Yeah. Like if that doesn't happen, then they're just words. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a work of God and the Holy Spirit uh, within us for this to happen. Um, but, you know, I think especially the hope piece, you know, can we as... As a, as a people, can we say that even if you don't see it in the moment, because people say all the time, I just don't see any hope in this mm-hmm. or this person or this situation, yeah. you know, does that mean it's not there? Mm. You know, and can we, you know, be a people that, not that we ignore current reality, we have to name reality for what it is, but also acknowledge reality for what it is. Right. You know, and so... Um, just because we have some of the examples you named, like unpaid bills, yeah. um, you know, medical diagnosis, uh, whatever it is that would want to steal our hope and our joy, uh, we don't ignore it and pretend like it's not there. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we acknowledge that um, that our hope does not come from paying the bill. Right. Right. Our hope does not come from getting well. Right. There's a hope that's always there, um, despite the circumstance. Like. How would we live differently if we really believed that? Yeah. And the hope to which he has called you, which is verse 18 there, like the hope to which he's called you is is like this future resurrection that's coming right. someday. It's not like, oh, just like good things are coming at some point. It's like the goodest, the best, the yeah. most great thing is coming because death will be defeated and we will live eternally in some type of state, which I don't even fully comprehend, not just sitting on a cloud like playing a harp, like, but in a future glory. And that hope, uh, if we can see it, if we can see it with the eyes of our heart, like everything just starts to shift. Yeah. Um, that's a challenge for me too. Like, and, and that was the other, so the, the last part was like, I don't have this perfect either. Right. So I'm like encouraging, yeah. encouraging, encouraging. And at the same time, like I'm encouraging my own heart. Like, man, if my the eyes of my heart could be open to this, that would be amazing. Because there are some days that are, Rough. Yeah, I think that's key too. You mentioned this concept of having a button that you could push. And yeah. like if I could push a button and then the eyes of my heart would be open to these things and I could push a button for everybody else. And I think it's interesting that if you had a button, you would get the glory and not God. But we want God to get we the glory. We want God to get the glory. And I think the question is, do you want to see it? We're going to leave you with that. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you soon. See you soon.